0: We are, and, and I'll be honest with you, I hate bringing this series to a close. I, I have thoroughly enjoyed Luke chapter 15, um, this series of Lost and Found, and, and I've learned so much. I have these aha moments all the time, like, man, this was something I've never heard before, and and none, none of it's original. I mean, you know, we're, we're all studying and finding out something somebody else said, but the, but the truths are there and... And as you dig deeper and, and what you thought you understood, maybe you can expand on that. And, and I, So uh, Luke chapter 15, if you have your Bible, um, just go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 15. There's just a lot of verses today, okay? It's, it's not going to be like the lost coin where it's like four verses, you're done, boom, we're out of here. This is like a lot of verses, okay? So you have like Luke chapter 15, I think it's like verses 11 through 32, for, for some of us, this will be your daily Bible reading for the next couple of weeks. But it, there's just so much here, and I don't want to leave a verse out. It's such a beautiful story. We commonly know it as the prodigal son, right? But what we're going to find out today is that there's many more characters in here. There's, there's, there's the father, there's the younger son that we always consider the prodigal, and then there's the older son. And we are going to kind of get into the weeds a little bit there and, and learn a few things to this morning, I hope. But um, I, want to, I want to mention something that, that, that jumped out to me this week, is that father, had a difficult role. Parenting in and of itself is not easy, right? Parenting is, okay, so you bring the baby home from the hospital, all of a sudden you're overwhelmed by what is going to take and how much responsibility you have, and uh, I mean, you're changing poopy diapers, blowouts, throw up, you have like a constant... Slobber stain on your clothing for a couple of years, right? I mean, it just—it is what it is, and then and then you tearfully drop them off to preschool, and then and then the the first time you put them on the bus, you think something—they're going to get knifed on the way to school. <laughs> You, I mean, it's just, it, and then you, oh, okay, practice after practice, game after game, when they're in sports, it's like, it rules your life, it takes over your family, um, how many hours this butt has spent in a folding seat at a soccer game, it's ridiculous, I'm glad Kimber's not in here, that's like my least favorite thing in the world, <laughs> take me to a basketball game, take me to a but I mean a soccer game is like two days long it's like it lasts forever and it's like one to zero (laughs) right that's parenting right and then you get them through and then they graduate from high school and you're thinking is it over already man they're gonna don't steal my thunder I was getting there I was getting there but it's like, so, so man, they walk across the platform and you're thinking, okay, in a couple, you know, in most situations, they're going to go off to college somewhere, but they're probably going to move out. And, and it's like, there's just, you just so want them to do well and you want to be engaged, but then your, your role starts to change and you can't tell them what to do anymore because they're adults now. And it, and, and, and then they start dating people. And as a dad, it's like, wait, What? fill these applications out, criminal background checks. And then they get married, and next thing you know, you're giving her away, and or they're taking them from you, whatever is appropriate. And then they give you grandbabies. Are you kidding me? If I had known that they were going to be this good, we would have had them first. <laughs> I mean... Grandbabies are awesome, and then you can send them home, right? <laughs> that's just awesome. But your role as a parent's changing, so you got this—you got this dad in this story, this this father that's so torn. I mean, he's he's got he's got one son that's just screwing up bad. He's just he's making a mess of his life, and he's shattered, and he's just broken. And and then he got another son that. That's not so much, but he doesn't get it either, you know, and we're so familiar with parts of this story because it's so relatable, but what I'd like to do is just kind of read through the story with you. We'll kind of highlight a few things. It'll take a little bit, and, and you're always so good about that, and, and, and I just want you to fall in love with this story over again, and I want you to, to feel the... The, the emotion that's there and, and, and identify with it. And then, and then towards the end, what I'd like to do, what I'd like to see happen is that, is that you, would, you would feel like there's a takeaway for you, whether you feel more like you're in the role of the father or maybe you feel like you're in the role of the younger son who left. Maybe you feel like you're the role of the older sibling that, that really doesn't think things are fair. But somewhere I hope that you find this story because then at the end when we have some application, we're going to hit each one of those rolls and give some application there. And maybe there'll be like an aha moment for you. Like, man, that changes my perspective here because that's what Christ is trying to do in this passage, the reason he's telling these three parables of the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost sons is because he's trying to get his audience to see what God sees. If you remember from a couple of weeks ago, there's two different types of people in the audience. You have the scribes and Pharisees. They were a religious crowd and they came to hear Christ. But what does the Bible say they were doing? They were murmuring. They were indignantly complaining. Then you have the sinners and the publicans who just drew near to soak it all in, to kind of hear what Jesus had to say. And Jesus is trying to address the disparity between the two groups to help the scribes and Pharisees understand that these lost people, these sinners are the ones that he's coming for. And he's trying to, to get folks to understand the heart of God. And so this final story, the focus is not the prodigal son. The focus is not the son who stayed. The focus is on the father. Because Jesus is trying to get them to understand the heart of daddy. Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 24. Let's read down through here. And if you don't have a Bible, don't be embarrassed. We got it up here for you. And it's mostly spelled correctly. And he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said, to his father. Father, give me the portion of goods that fall to me, and he divided unto him his living. Now, you have to understand the implications here. <clears throat> the dad was still alive, but the younger son wants his inheritance. In first century Middle Eastern culture, the younger son got a third, if there's two sons, he would get a third of the inheritance. The older son would get two-thirds. So he, what he's saying is, Dad, I want you to take your entire estate, all of your savings, your everything that would come to me if you were dead. And I want that now. I want my third. And the dad obliges him and gives him his third. Now, in Middle Eastern culture, in the first century, what that really translated to was, Dad, I have so little relationship with you that I don't care if you live or die. As a matter of fact, if it means getting my money, I wish you were dead. That's how strong that was in Middle Eastern culture in the first century. So with that in mind, look at verse 13. And not many days after... The younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And he invested it wisely and had a great life for himself. Ah. No, and there, wasted, that means he scattered it like seeds, just randomly throwing it everywhere. He wasted his substance with riotous living. What a great word, riotous. It has the implication that he just had no restraint. He was extravagant and unrestrained. Just anything he wanted to do, he bought it, he did it, he paid for it. And then verse 14. And when he had spent all. Uh Uh-oh. So here you have a bad circumstance mixed with an unforeseen happening. So he spends it all. Then what happens? There arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. <laughs> we never plan for the worst, do we? We always think that everything's going to work out the way that we think it ought to work out. Verse 15, And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. Not exactly how he pictured his life. And he would feign, that means he was about to do the unthinkable. He would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat. And no man gave to him. He's at a very low point. Verse 17, some of the most precious words in Scripture. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's? Have bread enough and despair, and I perish here with hunger. What? And he came to himself. Don't you wish your kids would do that once in a while? Where is your head? What were you thinking? Oh, I didn't know that was part of the equation. I didn't know I was supposed to be thinking. He came to himself. Reminds me of, and I don't, I really don't, I try to pinpoint where I heard this. But somewhere in my upbringing, I heard a pastor say this. He got what he wanted, but he lost what he had. God forbid that happened to me. But he got what he wanted, right? He let go of this. He grabbed a hold of this, but then he lost what he had. So he got what he wanted, but he lost what he had. And I actually Googled this to try and find out who I could give the right credit to. But my mama used to say this that sin will take you farther than you wanted to go. It'll keep you longer than you wanted to stay. And it'll cost you more than you wanted to pay. And that prodigal, that prodigal son could be saying amen right now. Because he went from all that to the pigsty, trying to determine if he could bring himself to eating the husks. That the pigs were eating. So he comes to an aha moment in his life. He says in verse 18, I will arise and go to my father. Best decision he's ever made in his life. And will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired servants. So you, you see him in the pig pen. He's rehearsing in his mind what he's going to say to his dad, trying to envision what his dad's going to respond to him as. And he's trying to think how he can, how he can make this better. And, and I'm, not expected, I'm not expected to be your son. I just want to be a servant. And it's such a difficult thing for him to decide to do. In verse 20, and he arose. <laughs> Thank God. He arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The love of the father explodes on his son. And I don't know how far his son actually went away. I kind of feel... That based on some information that we find out about what the brother, the other brother, says about him, I kind of feel like he really wasn't that far. He was close enough for them to be aware of what was going on in, in his life. So I, I think, I think so. So maybe like it was a daily thing. I don't know, but 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 his dad was like looking out for him. And when his dad saw him coming, he didn't just sit on the porch waiting for his boy to get there. He did what. What no other Middle Eastern father would have done at that time, he ran. Because distinguished gentlemen didn't run in those days. If you had respect for yourself, you walked. But he ran to his son. No condemnation, no guilt trips, no wagging the finger saying, I told you so. Nothing but pure, unconditional love. Verse 21, And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and am no more worthy to be called your son. And it's like the dad didn't even hear it. It's like he did not even hear it. He said this, But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat, and be merry. Just noticing here, they weren't vegans. They actually had like, they had like meat, meat on tap. Like they had, they had had meat ready to roll, man. We're going to fatten that baby up. Carnivores. Carnivores. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be married. Now, here's the cool thing Jesus could have ended the story right there, right? Point made. Lost people, the lost son is so valuable to God that he will welcome them back with open arms. Point made. But Jesus wasn't done. Considering his audience, now he feels the need to address the older son, the forgotten one, the good one. Check this out. And this is nowhere near as long as the story of the younger son. Here's the lost son who never left. Verse 25, now his elder son was in the field. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. You go from this incredible, loving scene of the father bestowing all of this on the lost son to this older son full of anger and jealousy. So here's the response that the older son had to his dad. And he answering said to his father, lo, these many years do I serve you. Neither transgressed I at any time your commandment, and you never gave me a kid. Like you didn't even kill a baby goat for me, and you're killing the fatted calf for him. That I might make merry with my friends, but as soon as your son was come, which has devoured your living with harlots, which is why I kind of feel like he knew what was happening in the kid's life. You killed for him the fatted calf. I get it, right? I mean, don't you feel that? Don't you feel that it's not fair? I'm a middle child. I'm the favored one. right there's something about being that older child that's just not fair right that older child is the one who has to be the most responsible that older child is the one that that has to take care of the siblings and if the siblings do stuff that's wrong the older child gets in trouble but if the older child tries to correct the younger ones they get in trouble for trying to be the parent it's a it's a lose lose it's like it's like I don't know this personally, (laughs) but I've heard it from my wife because she's an older child. And it's like there's this frustration and it's not fair and they work really hard to make mom and dad happy and all the younger son just has to do is be cute or funny or both like I am. And then you become the favorite one. And it doesn't matter like how much you work hard and do all the right stuff. If you're the older sibling, you just don't get it. And so I understand the plight and the dilemma of this older brother. I get it. That's tough. Verse 31, and he said unto him, son, this is the father to the older son. You are ever with me and all that I have is yours. And it was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. And the parable ends. It's almost like the book of Jonah. You're like, uh, and then what happened? But he leaves you hanging because the point was made. And here's here's what I took from that. Both sons were lost because they tried to live life apart from a genuine relationship with the father. Now, it's very evident that the younger son left and ruined his life and insulted his father. But here's the difference. The younger son pursued a life of self-discovery. He wants to find out and fulfill all of his wildest desires. He wants to find what life feels like having no limits. And he finds himself utterly lost and hopeless and empty. Whereas the older son pursued a life of self-righteousness in an attempt to earn the favor of his father through moral superiority. Did you hear what he said? I worked hard every day. I never disobeyed you. I obeyed every commandment you ever made. Let me tell you, and this is not me trying to be like socially correct here. But I'll tell you, that is the dilemma of most older siblings, because we're trying to do stuff to create value. And I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying that I understand where that older sibling is coming from. But neither one of the sons, it doesn't seem to me, really knew the heart of their dad. So both of them lost out, much like we are today in our churches and in Christianity today. Because religion says this, religion says, Dad, Dad, look what I have done. I've read my Bible now 10 days in a row. Did you see you put the check in? I Hope you saw that. Now I ask for your blessings on my life because I have done all of this. Dad, do do you see my works? Do you see what I'm doing? You know what grace says? Grace says, Dad, thank you for all you've done. And that's the difference. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to kind of put ourselves in this story and, and, and you figure out what role suits you best. And we're going to go from the father to the younger son to the older son and get a little bit of application here and then we'll be done. So lessons learned as a father. As, and this is, this is tough stuff here. Lessons learned as the father. So here's a couple things that I want us to take away today. First of all, Accept that the relationship with your child is always changing, right? As as they grow up, their dependency on you is going to (laughs) change. Listening to you is going to change. You go from being a teacher to an advisor. I remember that moment from my dad, and I wish I still had him here. But I remember that my mom was telling me one time that, My dad got frustrated because I asked his advice and I didn't do what he said. So my dad was like, why does he even ask? If he's not going to do what I tell him I think he needs to do, why is he even asking? My mom said, just be glad he's asking, John. Just be glad you still have influence. Because you kind of get to that age where you understand you're not it. You're not all there is. And they have other influences. And you go from being a teacher to an advisor. And I'm not sure where that happens exactly. But for me, it happened early 20s. Sometimes you have to let your kids make mistakes. Because they don't have to do what you tell them to do. Another lesson learned as a father, welcome your child back with open arms. And I'll tell you, this is easier for some people than others. Because we feel like they need to learn the lesson, right? They feel, we feel like, well, if I'm too nice to them, then it's too easy to come back. They'll just do the same thing. Listen, I think if you spend enough time on the pigsty, what you need is a welcome home. And when they hit rock bottom... The hardest decision they'll ever make is deciding to come home. Don't make it more difficult by being a jerk. Make that part easy. Make the coming home easy. The one good decision they're making is to return. There's no guarantee they won't mess up again. But welcome them back with open arms. And then the last lesson learned as a father is acknowledge your own status as a prodigal. So school wasn't my thing, all right? At least that part of it. So you're trying to get your 15-year-old to like love school and how important it is. And then Melissa's like, it wasn't so much for you. (laughs) I don't like people to know that stuff about me. So I'm going to record it and put it on the internet. But it's like, we were all that. Like, we, we, we all have stuff. Right? And all of us have been the prodigal one way or the other. I love this verse. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. While we were yet sinners, it's assumed Christ died for us. We've all got stuff. It's just different stuff for different people. So, keep that in mind, dad, mom with your kids that you had stuff going on in your life and treat them as well you as as well as you wish you had been treated when you were trying to get back on track all right now how about the younger son this one's easy right the younger son he's the he's what we all remember here's a couple things here don't assume life is better elsewhere (laughs) Sometimes it's just elsewhere. It's not better. It's different, but different doesn't always mean good. I know the grass looks greener, but you know what it takes to make grass green, right? Sometimes it's green because there's a lot of crap going on over there. Sometimes it's green because it's artificial turf. Don't think just because it's green that it's a better place. Sometimes It's just different. Different's not better. Understand that the, the decisions you're making may be something you regret because it looks better from here. And also, this is huge, accept the wisdom and life experience from those who love you. we Accept the life experience and the wisdom from those who love you. There is nobody in your life, and I realize there's exceptions because there's a lot of dysfunctional families out there. Most of us are dysfunctional to some point, but a lot of us are more dysfunctional than others. But there are exceptions. My point is that there is nobody in this world that wants more good for you than your parents. But Think about this, younger brother. There's a reason why the father had something to give his sons. He was successful in life. And maybe it's a good idea to kind of listen and learn from those who love you. And then there's this one. Understand that timing is important (laughs) and patience is needed. Here's a discovery that I made. Most mistakes that we make in life as young people are because we did something too soon. Think about this for a second. All right? I've got to be careful. There are things that we get to enjoy as adults that were were disastrous as a teenager. There are sins of the flesh. There are things that God condemns as a single person that God blesses and loves as a married couple. Are you tracking me? I'm being very... G-rated here. <laughs> there are things that are completely acceptable at a certain phase of your life that would be horribly disastrous at another phase of life. There are things that happen that are blessings. And let, but let me, let me tell you this. God can make good out of any bad situation. Okay? Okay. Let me just let me just blanket the room with that statement. God can make the best out of our mess. But here's the truth, and you and you know you know I'm trying to speak the truth here. There are things that we want to try so badly as young people that if we would just put them in the right order and do them at the right time, your life would look totally different. You know what I'm saying? Understand that timing is important and patience is needed. Just wait a few more years. You're going to enjoy it. You're going to love it. Just wait a little while. You got your whole life. Just take your time. I promise you. Getting uncomfortable in here now. But there are so many things in life that I enjoy that I don't want my 15-year-old daughter to enjoy. Just give yourself some time. So, lessons learned as the older son. This is what I had the most fun with. Check this out. You can avoid sin and still miss out on relationship. So you're the good one, okay? You never messed up. You stayed home. You didn't riotously live. You were the good one. And you think that that moral superiority that you have should create for you a certain status in life or it should help you more than it helps somebody else. The son was hardworking and he was faithful, but he missed out on the relationship that was supposed to be there. And here's the thing. It's not that Jesus doesn't want you. So, Jesus wants you to live as sin free as you can. But Jesus wants you to enjoy life. He called it the abundant life. Overflowing. Enough to share. John 10.10. 10, I am come that you might have life. But that you might have it more abundantly. I don't want you just to have life. I want you to have abundant life. So it's like. What Jesus, I don't want you just to focus on not sinning. I want you to focus on living in relationship with the Father. Because life isn't just about avoiding sin. It's enjoying abundant life. You can avoid sin and still miss out on relationship. And then check this out. You can own it all and still think life is unfair. Woo! I don't care if you like that or not. I like it. Because here's the thing, we own it all. We are a child of the king. The father told the son, all that I have is yours. I mean, you get it? Everything I have is yours. Help me throw a party for your brother and my son. It was an honor to throw the party. And it should have been an honor for the son but all he saw was how unfair it was. You can own it all and still think life is unfair because he was speaking from a position of want rather than understanding that he didn't lack anything. And then finally, you can be a son and still act like a servant. Let me give you a couple characteristics of a son. A son is not threatened by what is given to others because he is so profoundly aware of how much he has received. I don't mind. I don't mind that God blesses other people because I know that I've been blessed. As a son, you have no lack because the entire kingdom of heaven is available to you. As a son who has been shown the riches of God's grace, it's unfathomable that you would not extend that same grace to others. And as a son, you understand what the father means when he says all That I have is yours. So here's our challenge. Somewhere in between there is the sweet spot. You can enjoy life fully, like the younger son wanted to do, without breaking ties with your Heavenly Father. And you can work hard at your faith without being self righteous. There's got to be like this middle ground, this thing that we can do to where we're not like the younger son, we're not like the older son, but that we enjoy an incredible relationship with our heavenly father and we focus on that and we learn his heart. So I don't know where you are in that story. I don't know what role you play. If you're the father, it has got a wayward child. If you're the younger son, if you're the older son, but let's focus on the relationship that we get to have with our Heavenly Father. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful and honored to be your children. And I, we don't deserve it, but we sure do enjoy it. And I pray that this relationship that we get to have would become the primary focus of our life. That we would live life abundantly and richly because we are your children and we can have it all. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.